And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's Word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation. A sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888 That's P.O. Box 18888 San Antonio, Texas 78218 Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible The entire Bible every year On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers, and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of the Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Sophie Dollar. Joining us, everyone. This is the Bible Live Quiz Show, and we've got some questions here for you. We're going to be looking at our readings this past week from uh, the book of Second Kings, chapters. Let me see, twelve through twenty-five. In fact, is we we finished reading the book of uh, the books of First and Second Kings uh, this past week, and just barely got started with the first reading from the book of Acts in the New Testament. Uh, if you're the first time you've joined us here for the Bible Live program, uh, this is the way it works. We read through the entire Bible every year. Now, we don't do that on the radio anymore. We've moved our reading program to the Internet. You can podcast uh, here at this station. You can go to am630theword.com am630theword.com, or you can go to thebiblelive.com. Either way, and you can find our podcast at either site. Go down to the Bible Live if you go to the uh, uh, am630theword.com. You just look on that first page, and it says podcast. Then you scroll down to the Bible Live, and there you find the entire Bible. You can, if you go back over the last years of uh, readings, you can actually hear the entire Bible. There, each podcast is a fifteen to twenty minute reading from the Scriptures, and uh, the entire Bible every year. So, if you've always wanted to read the Bible and just never kind of gotten around to it, or um, Maybe I don't know your eyesight's a little gone, or or you know just reading is is uh, uh, more difficult for you to to set aside. Maybe you can just take out your Bible and and use your cell phone, or your smartphone, or, or your computer, or whatever, and go to am six thirty the word dot com. Click on each the reading for each day is there the date of our reading schedule. Uh, we 
start every November in the book of Genesis and read all the read all the way through the Bible. We don't go straight through. We go Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and then we take the book of Matthew in the New Testament. Numbers and then Deuteronomy back in the Old Testament, and then we go to the book of Mark. And so you see, we just alternate back and forth between the Old and New Testaments and making our way through the entire Bible. Uh, we're finishing up now the books of First and Second Kings today, this past week, and on Friday we moved, we finished Thursday we finished up the book of Second Kings, and there in chapter twenty-five. And now we're going to take a season, a couple of weeks. We're going to be reading now through the book of Acts in the New Testament, just in time for the National Day of Prayer. That's why our our schedule is built. The way we read it is that uh, at each one of our major national holidays, we're reading a relevant passage from the Bible. At the uh, uh, time of Christmas time, we're reading uh, the uh, story of the birth of Jesus uh, in in the book of Matthew, I believe it is. And when we come around to Easter, to Resurrection Sunday, we're reading about the resurrection of Jesus from the Gospel of John. Now that we're coming up on the National Day of Prayer, we'll be reading about the church, that the the birth of the New Testament church, in the book of Acts, the church that was birthed out of a prayer meeting. And so uh, we'll, we started the book of Acts just this Friday, and we'll be in the book of Acts for the next couple of weeks. Now, this coming Thursday, the first Thursday of every year, the first Thursday of every May uh, in every year, is the National Day of Prayer. And as you can imagine, it's going to be a little unusual this year uh, because of the um, uh, social distancing and all that we're going through right now. But we will have uh, my dear wife Suzanne and I have been able to be a part of the National Day of Prayer uh, experience here in San Antonio for the last, what, 35, 36 years that we've been observing the National Day of Prayer in our city. And uh, it's just been an an amazing journey of watching how God responds to the prayers of his people for our city, for our families, for uh, the economy, for the employment, for crime, for health, the well-being of our people, for all kinds of things, for our leaders, our mayor, city council, praying for God's people, praying for uh, the young people, youth of our city, uh, praying for the military that is uh, San Antonio is a great military city, USA, and so we pray for our military leaders and uh, those in that serve our country as well. So in that way, we serve those who serve. So the National Day of Prayer is coming up May 7th, first Thursday of May every year, and uh, we'll be telling you more about it this hour as well. I think Suzanne's going to give me a call, and we'll talk about it and um, hopefully let you know how you can be a part. It'll be live-streamed, a number of pastors across the city involved, and it's quite a little operation um, <laughs> this year, but it's, um, it's going to – you know, we look for an event. We we are so as human beings we we are so event or, or oriented, and God isn't really waiting for an event. He's just waiting for us to pray. <laughs> you know, and it doesn't really have to be a national day, and doesn't have to be an uh, an assigned day particularly. Uh, God is waiting for His people to humble themselves and pray and turn for their wicked ways and seek His face. 
that's what we're told in Scripture. And so it, we could, you know, God responds to the prayers of his people all through the Hebrew Scriptures, all through the Old Testament. Uh, the people of God would would suffer difficulties and trials, and they were in bondage in Egypt, and, and then they cried out to God, and God heard their cries. Well, that's the same thing today. God, uh, if we as the people of God would cry out to him and and seek his face and and uh, pray for our, our families, our children, our moms and dads, pray for our loved ones, our jobs, our employers, and our employees, and uh, pray for each other, it, it would make the difference. You know, we don't need an event necessarily, but if you need an event, if you like an event, if it's encouraging, well, certainly you couldn't do much better than the National Day of Prayer, a great uh, uh, heritage and legacy of faith and prayer in the United States of America. And uh, so uh, this first Thursday of every May, uh, since the, since the 80s, actually, uh, 87, I believe it was, or 86, uh, was the first Thursday was declared a National Day of Prayer. Before that, it was assigned every day from 1951. The current uh, National Days of Prayer be- had their beginnings in 1951, uh, there have been, of course, a National Day of Prayer. Uh, President Washington uh, declared before the Constitution, before the uh, Declaration of Independence was even signed, uh, George Washington declared the first National Day of Prayer. Uh, so in National Day of Prayers have played a role uh, throughout our nation's history. In the time of the Civil War, Lincoln did the same. Others um, in different times, in, in, um, particularly in times of, of duress or difficulty. But in 1951, um, Congress uh, declared with the president, I believe, I believe Eisenhower then, uh, declared, or Truman, which one was it? I'm trying to remember now, the first National Day of Prayer. And then um, it was declared to be a, a yearly event, and it was picked up in the 80s. Uh, Vonette Bright, the co-founder with Dr. Bill Bright of the, of the Campus Crusade for Christ Ministries, uh, began to use the National Day of Prayer as a day to help call our ministries and people across the nation. And she worked with President Reagan, and they got it accomplished that the, the National Day was the first day of uh, first Thursday of May. That way they didn't uh, have to wait on the Congress to declare what which day was the National Day of Prayer uh, in order to be able to get started and start preparing. So once the day was fixed on the first Thursday of every May, that way they could start months ahead in preparations, letting people know about it uh, with the National Day of Prayer Task Force uh, nationally, and of course, great cities like San Antonio, Denver, Dallas, Houston, all across the nation. Every great city has a, a task force that works together to help promote the Day of Prayer in their different cities and communities. So, a long time, a long heritage we have of prayer here in San Antonio, and it's coming up this this May, May the seventh. So, I hope that you'll keep it in mind and remember that. Uh, again, uh, there is something very helpful and very unusual and very important about united prayer. When we, when we, uh, ext- extraordinary united concerted prayer, uh, and that that makes a difference. That that is every great revival 
If you're a student of revivals, a student of history, all the great revivals, uh, you can go back uh, to the Wales Revival and the great, you know, the Great American Awakening and others that we've known about through the centuries. Uh, all of them were preceded by extraordinary united prayer. Uh, and this is uh, one of those occasions. It just gives us an opportunity to exhibit to our God that that heart for prayer, for repentance, for to honor and worship Him, to serve Him. And uh, so we unite our hearts in prayer. And what greater time of need right now? We're under um, duress with this uh, this coronavirus, this illness uh, that seems to have uh, brought such great fear to our country and to nations around the world, in fact, and uh, has wreaked such havoc in its consequences, though the the, the the steps that have been taken to try to minimize the effect of the illness uh, on the people. So um, anyway, we have that to, to urging us to come to the Lord in prayer. I hope you'll remember Thursday, May the 7th, National Day of Prayer. And of course, if you want to go to uh, uh, the San Antonio SA National Day of Prayer website, you can find out more details about what is expected. Uh, what we are going to be doing this year to observe the day of prayer. So um, that's May the 7th on Thursday. Now, and, and just in time for that, we've started now reading the book of Acts. We'll be reading the uh, book of Acts through chapter 12 this coming week. So uh, you can use that as a way to prepare for the day of prayer as well. The church that was birthed, born out of a movement, out of a prayer meeting, in Acts chapter two, well, this past week though we read uh, the books of Second First and Second Kings. We finished up Second Kings chapters twelve through twenty-five, and uh, we hope that you'll be able to join with us tonight. Now, I want to announce to you as well that you can go to uh, not only here at uh, AM six thirty the Word dot com, AM six thirty the Word. That's the KSLR website and find the podcast and you can listen to the Bible readings. They're listed there by date uh, on the date uh, of each reading and you can every week just go on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, go to the website. You can also find the same podcast. Uh, the same readings are located at thebiblelive.com. thebiblelive.com. You can go there and Hit the podcast, and uh, you can find there the readings, all of the readings for um, this week and, you know, the past as well, the past months. And uh, just get on that reading schedule with us. Listen every weekday to a 15 to 20-minute reading from the Scriptures. And then here on Sunday night, what we do is we I'll ask – I've got a long list of questions here from the readings of this past week. And I'll ask some questions and try to get some of you to give us a call and answer some of those questions for us. You can also call in with questions about the passages we've read or or about any passage of the Bible. Uh, this program is all about this great book of books, uh, from Genesis all the way to the maps at the back of the book. Uh, we try to take a look at the Bible every year, not just talk about the Bible, but this program is the Bible itself, reading it 
features the reading of the actual Bible, the New Living Translation, the good, clear, modern version of the Scriptures that we read through every year. And so I invite you to join with us, uh, read with us, follow the reading schedule with us every day. Use your smartphone, your computer. Go and listen to the readings. And then here on the weekend. Now, and by the way, if you go to thebiblelive.com, thebiblelive.com, if you go to thebiblelive.com, you can find not only the readings there, but you can find all of the questions. Uh, this week, there's a, a group of about 40 questions uh, from, well, there's questions from the Psalms, because every one of our reading programs features what we call a wisdom and worship segment. So we read through the Psalms and the Proverbs uh, as part of our reading, and then we read a a, a narrative reading from the uh, from the larger books uh, like Second Kings or the Book of Acts or whatever, and so we have a narrative reading, and then we have our our wisdom and worship reading. And so I have here about forty questions uh, coming from uh, those books. And so on Friday, on Sunday night, I ask you questions and kind of try to get you to test your knowledge of the Bible and uh, give us a call and participate, answer some questions, and uh, just kind of have some fun building our knowledge of the Scriptures and the the message of the Scriptures. It's not just purely uh, academic. We're not just here trying to learn chapter and verse and this verse and this word and this city. Those details make a difference. They are. It's important that we learn the Scriptures, but more than anything else, the ultimate goal of Bible study is to get to know the author, <laughs> get to know God himself, the author of the Bible. And, and as we get to know him, we learn about God and his ways. Through the Scriptures, we can uh, come to an, a relationship with God by faith, uh, through the Messiah whom God has sent, the Redeemer, the, the Savior that has come as part of God's redemptive plan. And then as we walk with the Lord, the Scriptures kind of inform us and speak to our hearts and encourage us and make us strong so that we can walk by faith uh, in the power of His Spirit as He as the people of God to be, uh, to be the men and women, the young people, the boys and girls, uh, God's family, to be uh, the people of God here uh, as salt, as light, serving our community, serving the people around us, loving others, and helping to build a strong, strong community and, and helping to build the kingdom of God as we help others, more and more young men and women and other people coming into that relationship with the Lord as well. So that's uh, what the book is all about. It's not just about chapter and verse and this fact and that fact. Those are important, but ultimately it's about getting to know him, getting to know God himself and his ways. So let's uh, let's take a look right now at some of the questions I have for you. The, the Some of the questions that come from the Psalms this week and the Proverbs I thought were particularly good and helpful. Uh, in Psalm 76, uh, we read Psalm 74 through 77 this week, but Psalm 76, I have a, a question for you from Psalm 76. And it's this, Psalm 76 asserts that God is always in control of every situation, even to the point of using the rebellion of those who reject and oppose him for his own glory. That's an amazing thing. But we see it throughout the scriptures. Uh, We see, for example, example, um, the Pharaoh of Egypt 
when they took the people of Israel uh, into the land, and then they be- they became a nation of slaves in bondage in Egypt. The Pharaoh, when Moses went and said, "Let my people," God says, "Let my people go." Uh, the Pharaoh didn't do that. The Pharaoh was not a worshiper of uh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He was not a, a believer. And yet God used him, even though he was in rebellion against God, uh, God was used him, his rebellion and, and his rejection. He even used the Pharaoh of Egypt to uh, demonstrate his control, his power, his mercy, his love, his, his long-suffering, uh, patience, and so on. Uh, he even was able to use uh, even even the sinfulness and wickedness of man. God can still use at times to bring glory to Himself and to cause others uh, to turn to Him. So uh, let me read that again. Psalm seventy six asserts that God is always in control of every situation, even to the point of using the rebellion of those who reject and oppose Him. For his own glory. My question to you, and this isn't necessarily a biblical question that you would find a particular verse, but I want you, I want to ask you, what is this attribute of God called? Uh, and theologically, when we talk about the Bible, let's say you're listening to your pastor and so on, when uh, there's certain words that are used to to describe this characteristic of God. He's always in control of every situation, even to the point of using the rebellion of those who reject and oppose him for his own glory. What is this attribute of God called? All right? If you'd like to give me a call and and tell us all what that means, what is what is that attribute of God? When he that shows that he is always in control of every situation. Our phone number here is 210-340-9585. 210-340-9585. What is that attribute of God called that he is always in control of every situation? Give me the word that we often use. There, there are several words that we often use to describe that characteristic of God. Now, there is another one. Uh, chapter 77 has some very uh, interesting passages. Uh, in, in the first place, Psalm, the Psalms in the Bible, are, are they are poetry, actually, and they express the emotional highs and lows of the experience of, of men and women who follow God and, and walk with God. Now, it's not a cakewalk. Not everything is all ha-ha, joy, joy, joy. Uh, it's difficult. There are failures. There are difficulties. There are disappointments. We face the same anguish. We, we face the same illnesses, the same disappointments, the same failures and weaknesses, even in our own lives at times uh, as believers. Uh, and so the, the Psalms and the Proverbs express a lot of times the the emotional ups and downs, the anguish and the ecstasy at times of walking with God. Now, in Psalm 77, uh, the psalmist starts out in a, 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 in a state of um, agony, a state of anguish. 
He is in terrible distress because he, he's in doubt of God's love, we're told in, in Psalm 77, verses 7 through 10. He has reason to, he doubts God's love for him. Perhaps the psalmist uh, did something wrong, very wrong, and he was ashamed, and he was th- thinks maybe God doesn't love me anymore. And this brought a, gra- a great deal of anguish and, and disappointment and distress. I, maybe you've had a time in, the, in your life where you thought God was mad at you, or you were carrying around an, a guilty conscience that you had failed, and, and you just didn't know how God could forgive you or love you anymore. So his doubt of God's love caused the psalmist to have emotional distress and anguish. How does he overcome his depression? In Psalm 77, how does the psalmist overcome his anguish, his depression? Now, a lot of people in our culture, in our society, suffer from depression. Now, sometimes it's a, it's a, a matter of hormones and chemicals. Uh, we know that. Uh, I've been there. I, I know that, that the downs as well uh, as the upper side of walking with the Lord. But the psalmist was able to overcome his depression uh, there in Psalm 77. He tells us how he did it. Uh, just look at Psalm 77, verses 11 through 20. How did the psalmist overcome his depression? Now there was something. Oh yeah, in the in the um, the Proverbs in the book of Proverbs, we also read chapter twelve of the Proverbs, verses one through fourteen. And I think some of you will enjoy this question. Uh, Psalm chapter tw- uh, twelve, verse ten says that the wicked are always cruel, but a characteristic of the godly is they take care of what or whom. Okay? Listen to the question. Psalm 12, verse 10, says that the wicked are always cruel. But one characteristic of the godly is that they even take care of what or whom? It's a very interesting verse, I think, uh, uh, for today's society, today's world. All right, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 10. Now, I'll, I'll ask you some questions just in a moment from the book of Second Kings, chapters 12 through 25. But before I get going too far, let me go to our phone line and uh, bring Jimmy up on the line. Are you with me, Jimmy? I'm so glad you're there. I, I hate to say it, but we got you uh, got you on the phone just in time for our, our the music has just come up, and we got to take a, just a, about a two or three minute break. Can you stay on the line during the break, and we'll talk after we get back? Sure. I sure appreciate it. Thanks, Jimmy. Don't go away now. All right. All right. And folks, there is our music. I hope that uh, you'll stay with us as well. Jimmy has called in, and you can call as well. Two ten. 340-9585. That's the Bible Live. That's our call in line. Don't go away. You're listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Dr. 
Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the Dollar family that's Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call Listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. He thought of us above all. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Bible Live. We are just beginning to get some questions out to you from our Bible readings this past week. And uh, Jimmy is on the line. I'm going to get back to him in just a moment. We're reading from the books of First and Second Kings. We just finished up uh, the book of Second Kings this last. Good for you, Jimmy. <laughs> singing for us. That's good. I like that song. I really do. It's a great, great song. My my sweetheart, my life, my wife got to go on a cruise with uh, Michael W. Smith one time, and they had a great, great time of fellowship. He's, he's quite an individual, really gifted guy. By the way, well, you know, got to got to get your radio, um, your your singing ministry started here, out right on the radio. <laughs> Caught you rejoicing a little bit. That's great. Well, yeah. let, me, let me ask you: Did you call in maybe to answer one of our questions, or maybe you had a thought about uh, a question of your own uh, from the scriptures there? What, what? Why are we calling in tonight? I'm glad you did. Well, I saw an awesome scripture tonight, and um, it was. Uh, Acts chapter 16, verse 31, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll be saved saved. in all your family. In all your family, all your house. That's exactly right. The book of Acts, wonderful. I'm just so glad. We get to spend now two weeks uh, reading through the book of Acts, and we read the first four chapters uh, this past Friday. And I have a few questions from the book of Acts that maybe maybe you could answer one of those for us. Let me get one for you. Let me ask you a question here, Jimmy. Put you to the test here. Dr. Luke, as you know, is the only Gentile author of the New Testament books in the New Testament. He is a Greek. He's not uh, Jewish. But uh, he uh, was a follower of Jesus Christ. And he addresses, he wrote two books in the New Testament. Do you know what those two books were, by the way? Mm, No. (laughs) That's all right. I don't know. I know, but I, I, I was calling to say, because you, you said, what's the attribute of, uh, what did we say, the attribute yeah. of what God said? Well, the, the, the characteristic <laughs> of God. Now, this is a, it's a really kind of a, it's a kind of a theological question, because in the world of theology, uh, they use a different word. We say, you know, uh, these are some of the characteristics of God, but when we're talking about God, for some reason they use the word attributes uh, these yeah. are characteristics they're attributed to God in that he is always in control 
of every situation, no matter if it's a coronavirus or if we're at war or whatever, whatever terrible, uh, a hurricane, a tornado, uh, in every situation, God is in control. And so there is a theological word that we use. It's in the scriptures, of course. Uh, there are several words that are used. But I was wondering, can you? What are what are one of the words that we use to describe that characteristic of God that He is always in control of every situation? Do you, do you know? I know. I'm, I know this one. Okay. I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's John chapter fourteen, verse six. Jesus says that. Uh, let me see if I can give you a hint. Uh, do you speak? I am who I am. Oh, there's another one. No, this is just, this is just one word. It's just one word that we use to describe uh, that God has all power. That He is all powerful. What what word would you means all powerful? Well, I don't know. I know that he's all-powerful. He's he's above all everything. Okay. How about the word, uh, if we say that God is everywhere present at all times, we say he is omnipresent. If we say, if we say that God knows everything, we say that he's omniscient. If we oh. say that God is all-powerful, that would make him um. You know the word. I know you do. I'm trying to draw it out of you. How about the word omnipotent? Oh, I never heard of that one. Omnipotent. Oh, that means that God is all. It's just one of those big 75 cent theological words. It means that God is all powerful. He's sovereign. He's omnipotent. Uh, so oh. there you go. Yeah, well, no, well, at least we learned a little thing, a little tiny thing tonight. Oh, yeah. On the, that, that's a good thing as well. Um, hey. I wanted to ask you a question. Sure, Jim. The, the, you just be sure that uh, it's in Proverbs. What was that? The, the wicked is always going to be wicked, but uh, what, what scripture was that? Yeah, that's a good one. It's in Proverbs chapter 7. Uh, no, Proverbs chapter 12. Okay. It says that the wicked are always cruel, but the godly... Yeah. But the character, one characteristic of the godly, a godly man or woman, is that they even take care of Proverbs twelve ten. Okay, I'm gonna look it up. Uh, okay. that, that, that's yeah, awesome. look it up. That, that'd be great. I know, I love, but, um, I, lo- I love learning the word of God because I know it's true. Jimmy. Amen. I, I I like this one a lot because I I lost a dear friend about three weeks ago. Uh, the first girlfriend I ever had way back when I was in high school was a sweet, pretty little girl named Tess. Tess and I remained friends throughout the rest of our, you know, all of these years of our lives. And Tess went to be home with the Lord about three weeks ago. And she was, she, Tess was an amazing animal lover. She loved her pets, uh, her dogs, and she had cats. She was, and she loved this verse uh, in Psalms uh, seventy. I mean, I'm sorry, Proverbs chapter twelve, verse ten. Do you have that verse in front of you? No, I don't. I, I've got it. Let me look it up here. Proverbs okay. twelve, verse ten says. Uh, let me find it here. Take me. There you go. I'm almost there. Proverbs twelve ten says, "The godly." I mean, the wicked are always cruel, 
but the godly care even for their animals. She loved that verse that the the godly people take care of their animals. We don't we're not cruel to our pets or to animals and uh and I, a lot of folks who are, you know, in kind of the animal rights people that people like to take care of and horses and and pets and so on. And I I I I'm not to the extreme on it, but I I do think it's the verses there is clear that godly people even take care of the of living creatures, uh, you know, their pets and uh, the horses and the cows, you know, we should not treat, treat them cruelly, uh, unnecessarily, in, in fact. So uh, she always loved that voice, that verse of Scripture. So that's, that's where it came from. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 10. Verse. Jimmy, how are you doing with this coronavirus thing? What's going on in your family? Are you all, all well and good, or has it been different? Oh, yeah, we're, we're healthy. Uh, we're healthy. My wife is uh, <clears throat> she's, she's a hairstylist, but she's... Uh, She's unemployed, but uh, she's collecting, um, um, uh, what do you call it, uh, unemployment. And, That's um, so good, yeah. She's, she's enjoying her time at home with the grand, uh, her grandson and oh, our grandson. And, and then, uh, and you know, my son had to move in with his family with us, but that's okay because that's, this brings us all together. And my daughter lives there, but... Uh, I come back and forth and take care of my mom. My mom is eight, oh. she's just turning nine years old. So um, bless your heart. I hope she's doing all right. Oh yeah, she just celebrated her 89th birthday. She's I'm dying. so proud of her. Happy birthday to grandma, yeah. to great grandma. I guess it is. Maybe yeah. I don't know. But yeah, well, our family too. Our, our three children have all lost their jobs, so they're all uh, they're all looking for new jobs and uh, trying to you know get through these times. It's it's it, isn't it. Nobody in the whole world would have ever dreamed that we'd be doing this, but here we are in the midst of this difficult situation. But the Bible says even in these situations, God is still controlled. He's still on his throne. He is omnipotent. Right, Jimmy? Omnipotent. I need to pronounce it omnipotent, right? Omnipotent. Omnipotent. You know, potent means strong. Omnipotent. Omnipotent means all-powerful. Uh, so, All right. Uh, that's a good word. Good word for you to learn tonight. Thanks, Jimmy, for calling yeah. in. God bless you. God bless you and your family. I appreciate you being out there, friend. Well, there you go. Omnipotent, omniscient, sovereign, uh, sovereign, all-powerful. All of those are different words for describing how God is in control. Even during uh, a pandemic, God is in control, and he is using – he can use these situations that are difficult, and it even we think of them as being uh, terrible and bad, but he can make even good things come out of them. Maybe families are drawing closer together. May, who knows the things that God uh, – maybe some people have even come to faith in God and come to faith in Christ and begun to walk with God because of – oftentimes it is difficulties uh, that bring us uh, to our need for the Lord. Uh, I know sometimes I I grew up in a home for homeless and delinquent boys, and uh, a lot of the boys went through terrible, difficult situations in their life. They they were abused, and some of them uh, had had addictions and difficulties and trouble with the law, and and even their own troubles sometimes is what brought us to our knees and brought us and showed us our need for God and our need for a Savior. So. Even the difficulties of life can sometimes bring us good if they bring us to uh, to be more dependent and to be to more trusting in God. That's that's the that's the objective. That's the great blessing 
even of difficulties, if they bring us to show us our need for the Lord. Well, let's go to the books of Second Kings here, these chapters 12 through 25. I want to give you some other questions uh, that come from them. Once in the book of Second Kings, chapter 13, Second Kings, chapter 13, uh, I had a young man one time I was uh, teaching the scriptures and I was trying to help him grow uh, to, to come into a relationship with the Lord. And uh, he said he had a big he had a lot of trouble with this particular verse. Uh, let's see what you think of it. Once there were some Israelites and they were they were having a funeral. And just in the middle of the funeral service, they came under attack by some Moabites, uh, some uh, raiders, uh, 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 desert raiders came upon them, and they were at, under attack. And so in their, their haste to get away from their uh, attackers, they tossed the body of the uh, deceased person into a tomb. And, they were at, and this was a very historic tomb. It was the tomb where Elisha the prophet had been buried. And so the once the Israelites, they were under attack by the Moabites, and as they fled from the attack, they tossed the body of their deceased friend, they tossed his body into Elisha's tomb. What happened? Do you know, John? <laughs> It's it's funny. Uh, I, mean, I, I guess it's funny. Uh, they tossed the body of their friend. And they were at a, a funeral, and they came under attack, so they tossed the body of the deceased person into Elisha's tomb uh, as they ran away from their attackers. And my question to you is, what happened to him? What happened? Uh, that's in Second Kings chapter 13, verse 21. Let me see. Let me give you another question from the Bible. This is this is kind of a his kind of a geography question, but it's good to know some of these things. Uh, the capital of Aram was one of the great empires in a certain time. Uh, is where Israel is located. It was surrounded by uh, other nations, and uh, these nations controlled ran the the civilized world. During the many hundreds of years of of Israel's existence, uh, you had Egypt to the south, you had other countries to the north, um, uh, you had let's say Assyria. Their capital was Nineveh. You had Babylon with their capital city called Babylon, the same name. But there was also a nation to the northwest of Israel, up on the on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea, a nation called Aram. A-R-A-M, Aram. What was the capital city of Aram, Israel's worst enemy for so many years? Israel's worst enemy. And uh, what was the capital city? This city actually still exists today. We, It's in the news today, uh, probably. There, we, you'll, uh, it's one of the major cities that were in the Middle East. What was the capital city of the nation of Aram, up to uh, north of Israel. All right, that's found in Second Kings chapter sixteen, verse nine. Uh, let me see. Let me see if I can find another um, another question for you. 
Oh, I, I gave you this answer. Maybe somebody will remember it and give us a call. 210-340-9585 is our phone number. What was the capital of the capital city of the Assyrian Empire? And I'll give you a little, well, I won't give you a hint yet. I'll leave that question out there. What was the capital city of the Assyrian Empire? They the Assyrians attacked uh Israel uh, and and Judah, uh, the nation of Israel, many times they were great. One of the great empires of that era, and in fact, it was the Assyrian Empire that um, conquered the ten northern tribes of Israel and took them into bondage, uh, into exile, and they from which they never returned. So, what was the capital city of the Assyrian Empire? Okay, let me see. Now, the, the Assyrians, uh, they had a practice. When they conquered another nation, they would uh, resettle all the inhabitants. They would march the people, especially the strong young men and so on, so that they couldn't do battle against them. They would chain them together uh, with hooks, often through their noses, and they would march them off into exile uh, resettling them in another country so that they could not rebel against their rule. Uh, that was the Assyrians were a very cruel uh, society, a very cruel empire. What was the what was their capital city? It figures great in the Bible, especially uh, had something to do with a uh, one of the great prophets called Jonah. All right, do you remember what? What city was Jonah involved with? Let's see now. Let me give you one other question, and we have a caller on the line now. Um, let's see. Okay. Let me, uh, uh, some of these. Uh, let me get one for you. How old was there was a king of Judah in the south who was who was very young when he was put on the throne. He's, we learn about him in, uh, in 2 Kings chapter 22. And this radio program, when it first started, was named after this king of Judah. Uh, and he became famous uh, because he rediscovered the scriptures. He re- rediscovered the laws of God and read them to himself, and he read them to the people, which sparked a great spiritual revival across uh, Judah. So how old was this young king? His, he was predicted hundreds of years before he was even born. The prophet said that he would be born. And he was predict- And uh, he, how old was he? His name was Josiah. How old was he when he was put on the throne of Judah? All right, there's some questions. Our phone number is 210-340-9585. 210-340-9585. Let's go to our phone lines. And this is my favorite caller of all time on the line with me now. Uh, <laughs> this is my sweetheart. This is my wife, Suzanne. Hi, Susie. Hi, Sophie. Good to hear you? from you. I'm glad Thank you called you. in. I, I I was beginning to worry that you weren't going to call. We wanted I wanted you to be able to tell our folks about the National Day of Prayer this year, and as you, many of them already know, for about what is it, thirty five years now? 
Yes, this will be the 35th consecutive year, the 34th anniversary, but the 35th year that we have uh, observed and, and uh, intentionally prayed as a city for our nation, for our city, and, and this year the whole world will be praying for. And um, it's been a, a blessing to our city. We've always held the event. Well, typically we've been at City Hall, the steps of City Hall. Yeah. Last year we were at Main Plaza right across the street, because City Hall is under renovations uh, last year, and it still is. Maybe by next year it will be great. Now uh, the whole country is not... under renovation, right, <laughs> with yes, the coronavirus? Well, I, I don't know if we're under renovation or if we just halted, you know, all stopped all renovations. Right. But anyway, we have been sheltering at home, and still we're not able, for uh, already said reasons, that City Hall, but nor are we able to meet in person at Main Plaza. So we'll be live streaming the uh, city observance of the National Day of Prayer, and it will it will allow even more people to participate with us and pray with us. It's a, a time where we um, we have started noon. We have live music that will start at eleven thirty. Just worship, praising uh, God, music, and then we will start at noon with the mayoral proclamation. As the chimes ring at San Fernando Cathedral, we're going to go um, record those very chimes ringing and include that in our live streaming. And then we have many pastors and military uh, coming to pray, uh, and we have students, as always, reciting scripture, which is such a blessing. We always say that prayer is a conversation, goes both ways. God talking to us through His Word, and we're uh, responding to Him through prayer. That's beautiful. And you really cannot pray the you can't really pray the will of God unless you know what the will of God is, and it's revealed in His Word. And so um, it's always good to have that element. Both scripture and prayer go hand in hand. And especially coming from the mouths of our young people. That's that's so encouraging. It, it's a source of real hope because our youth today are, are leaders tomorrow. And that's right. so, yes, it's very important. And guess who's going to sing the Star Spangled Banner? Oh, uh, <laughs> I don't know if you want to let that word out, Suzanne. That folks might want to avoid it for that reason. But I'll be singing, yes, the national anthem. That's right. Yeah, Sophie's going to sing the national anthem, everybody. So come mm-hmm. here, Sophie, if you haven't heard him sing it. And um, so it, it will be, uh, I, uh, I think it will be a special time. And we've yes, it will. Because well, we are live streaming it. We've had the opportunity to go out into the community and just ask people what prayer means to them, have people pray just in their element wherever they're working. Well, honey, uh, where, where do people go to, uh, where do they get, where do they find the oh, live yeah. stream? Well, they can go to our National Day of Prayer local website, which is ndtsanantonio.org, N DT National Day Prayer in DT San Antonio dot org. Okay. And so that's the best place because from there they can uh, link to a Facebook or they can view it right there. And uh, we'll be beginning at at eleven thirty 
with music, and then we'll start the uh, kind of the official ceremony at 12. NDPSanAntonio.org at 11.30 begins the music and worship time. And then at 12 o'clock noon, beginning with the mayor's proclamation, we'll begin an hour of prayer together, led by uh, many of our pastors and ministry leaders from across the uh, city, across the area. And uh, you can uh, follow along and pray there in your home with your family or wherever you might be, actually, with your smartphone or your computer. Uh, You can uh, catch the live stream and pray together. Perhaps, you know, when... We normally, uh, Suzanne and I, and and some wonderful, wonderful uh, volunteers with our crew military ministry at Lackland Air Force Base, we we get to teach uh, religious education classes for all the basic trainees going into the Air Force out at Lackland for nine Sundays in a row. We usually have about 2,000 every Sunday morning. But, of course, all of that's been interrupted by this... um, uh, you know, what's it called? You know, the coronavirus sort of a pause that we're in. And so we recorded, video recorded all of our lessons and delivered those by DVDs into the, uh, into the trainees in their dorms. And what we've been told is that actually more people might be able to participate and see the, and come to our lessons now via the technology than those who actually physically came. Maybe we'll see the same thing happen with the National Day of Prayer, Suzanne. Maybe many, many, many more thousands will be able to join us in prayer online, live streaming, than uh, would be able to come down in person to a, to a meeting downtown. We'll pray that, that maybe many tens of thousands of San Antonians will join us. NDPSanAntonio.org, 1130 on May May 7th, Thursday, May 7th, for the National Day of Prayer. Thank you, Susie, for calling in. Thank you. Good to hear from you. We'll be back in a moment. We're going to be visiting with Franklin. He's on line two. And we'll come back after a quick break and continue with the Bible Live. Don't go away. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Let the crowd shake as our voices we raise and our shouts of joy ring out. Know that the Lord is God, it is He who made us, we His people sing. Let the crowd shake as our voices we raise and our shouts of joy Know that the Lord is God, it is He who made us, we His people say. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. All the earth as we enter in His gates. Give thanks to Him, praise His name, for He is good, His love is forever. All right, we are back. Shout for joy. The Lord is Lord. Good to have you back, finally, our final segment, actually. Uh, we've got some questions out there for you from the book of Second Kings. I've got a few more I could ask, in fact, but I'm going to go directly to the line here, I hope. 
Franklin is still there with us, and we get to visit with him a bit. Hi, Franklin. Hi, you fabulous man. God bless you. Well, you keep so you and shine nice. his light upon you. Thank you, bro. You are a blessing to me every week. I am so thrilled. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. you wow. Do not know. I've been listening <laughs> to you for 20 years plus. It's and been a while, every time I listen to you, I get more out of it. I've got to answer one of your questions. Oh, great. So. I hope you can answer several okay. of them. That would be great. All right. Well, I, I hope maybe you. I can. Which one is Capital the, uh, of Syria. Which one will you think of Cap- Capital of Assyria. You, you mentioned Jonah. That would be Nineveh. Nineveh. Way to go. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> and I'm going to take a wild shot here on the capital of the kingdom of Ammon. I believe that might be Tyre. Oh, the, uh, of Aram. It's the capital yes, of Aram. You are, you know, you, you're almost in the early... Missed it by in, that much. In the, no, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah very close. You, uh, Tyre and Sidon were two powerful cities right there together. And they, yeah. in the early era of the Rom, they were a, a great city-state. They were a capital. But it actually moved, the capital itself moved a little north. Uh, of oh. there. And it still exists today. You get news from time to time from the city of, starts with the letter D. Damascus. Amen. Ah. <laughs> Good job. Yeah, Damascus is still there. Now, the, it, interestingly, the cities of Tyre and Sidon, they were destroyed by Alexander the Great. And, oh, uh, I thought Tyre was still there and sort of a, not really a city, but still an inhabitant, a habitation. That's what I was going to tell you. They, the prophet, I, I believe it was Ezekiel. Let me, let me see if I can tell you that for sure. The prophet Ezekiel was in chapter 28 of the book of Ezekiel. The prophet, this is the chapter, one of the two chapters, Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28. This is where we yeah. get the idea of where Satan came from, that Satan oh. that Satan was a uh, an archangel of God who pride got the better of him and he was cast from God's presence, and this is those are the two passages where we get uh, this Isaiah chapter fourteen. Uh, it, it, the prophet Isaiah is preaching to the king of Babylon, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, and he. Yes. And, and here in Ezekiel chapter 28, uh, Ezekiel is preaching uh, against the, uh, the emperor, the king of Tyre and Sidon. And both, in both those two passages, Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28, they start off preaching against a mortal king, uh, Nebuchadnezzar and, and the king of Tyre and Sidon. But... It, right in the middle of their preaching, they switch over, and it's very clear if you read in its context. All of a sudden, you can tell they're not talking about a man anymore. They're talking about a, 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 a spiritual being, the spiritual power behind that wicked, evil uh, emperor. And so that's what we, that's the, those are the two passages that speak most clearly to the idea that where we get the idea that, that Satan was one time. Uh, Lucifer, son of the morning, yeah. he, he was once a, an archangel who fell. Now, Jesus talks about Satan being cast from God's presence as well. and later. But those are the two passages where we get 
that but, idea. But what I was going to say about Tyre and Sidon, Sidon uh, is that Ezekiel said that uh, he predicted that they would be destroyed and that they would not be uh, they would not be ever rebuilt. And yeah. the, and he said even at that time he said that you, you will be you will be a place where fishermen will dry their nets. Well, what happened? Tyre and Sidon were powerful cities, mainly because they controlled all of the the sea uh, uh, commerce from that end of the Mediterranean. And half of the city was on the mainland, but another half of the city was on an island, which made them made made it almost impossible for them to be defeated, because they controlled the sea. They controlled the ocean. Uh, con- In the harbor. Yes. Yeah, the harbor. And so uh, all they would have to do is pull back to their island stronghold, and no one could defeat them. Uh, but let me see. I'm trying to think. There was uh, Nebuchadnezzar tried to defeat them, but he couldn't. The, he destroyed the the mainland part of the city, but they couldn't no. defeat the uh, part out in the in the Mediterranean. But Alexander did. But Alexander did. What he did was he took the rocks, the stones that from the destroyed part of uh, uh, of Tyre and Sidon. He took the rocks that Nebuchadnezzar had left on the coast, and he built a causeway. He used those rocks to build a causeway out to the island, and they destroyed it. And it was never again rebuilt. And I, I remember a few years ago, a friend of mine made a trip over to the Middle East, and, and he sent me back a postcard which showed uh, fishermen drying their nets on the rocks that used to be Tyre and Sedona. It was, it was kind wow. of funny, actually. And it had yeah, that the verse Bible is always right. Always true. It, it had that verse of Scripture, you know, that you would now, use it Ezekiel, for- whenever you say Ezekiel, I always think Ezekiel saw the wheel. Yes, exactly. Ezekiel and his angels yeah. going up and down. I've often wondered whether that wheel just rolled right over Satan. <laughs> it probably did. No kidding. No kidding, Franklin. Really. When when he, you you got that it right. He's active in the world today. You got it right. That Christ was God that was Damascus. Let's, let's, yeah, Damascus, and let's hope that we can keep on hating evil and loving, and loving Jesus God. and God. We got to learn to do that, don't we? Learn to hate evil and love God. Thank you, my friend. It's in our nature. It's great to hear okay. from you. That's so good to hear from. How is your Jewish friend? I really miss his. Oh, input. me too. He he's doing well. We've we've talked. Oh, maybe once every week or so, we get together and talk. We I, I keep thinking but this this virus thing has got us all kind of separated, and I kept thinking we would get we. Plan to get together for lunch, but all the restaurants have been closed, so we haven't been able to get well, together. They're opening up again. He's doing they're well. Thank you, Franklin. You're welcome. God bless you. You too, my friend. Good for you to call in. And I'm, he's good for me. I really appreciate that. Yeah, we're talking about with with. Yeah, exactly. We'll have to try it. I'll do it for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. I try to get uh, get my friend Jacob. Uh, Franklin here is mentioning our, our friend Jacob, who has been helping us for many years with the scriptures. Uh, uh, he 
knows the Hebrew Scriptures. He knows Hebrew to a great deal. He's one of the most knowledgeable men of the Scriptures, both the Old and New Testaments. I was telling John before the program tonight, we were talking about Jacob, and and uh, as, a, as a, a, a Jewish person who really has taken the time to carefully and, and uh, studiously uh, – Great discipline. Read the New Testament as well, and it really he helps us to understand the scriptures so well because you know the Bible was written by Jews, Old and New Testament uh, in the main, and they, if you know the Hebrew language, Hebrew culture, uh, Hebrew history, uh, the the scriptures are full of the, the 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 characteristic of the hebrew nation jesus himself a jew uh, the jewish messiah worshiping the true uh, jehovah the the great god of abraham isaac and jacob yeah you know and on a little secret folk we, we are all jews we've been grafted in the, us, us apache believers and and German believers and Italian believers and and Japanese believers and Mongolian we are all part now of Israel. We've been grafted into Israel through the work of Messiah, Messiah Jesus. And so, uh, anyway, I, I say that to honor our 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 friends, men and women from the uh, Jewish nation, Jewish background, and Jacob has that that skill. He has that exposure and that understanding of the scriptures. Uh, from his upbringing, and, and he helped us to understand the Bible so, so well, uh, because he knows that history, he knows that language, he ho- he knows the linguistic pictures, the that w- the, the pictures that were often used to describe God and His ways, and he helped us a great deal. So uh, that's what uh, uh, Franklin was talking about this evening. We we miss our friend Jacob, but uh, he's out there, and he'll call in, he'll surprise us one of these times, and give us a call and. And uh, give us a little of his wisdom again, for sure. I'm sure that he will. Well, let's uh, let me. We've gotten some of our questions answered. Does anyone know what happened to the body of this? uh, There was a funeral being held in Second Kings chapter thirteen. Someone had died, and but during the funeral, they came under attack by some uh, Moabite uh, um, attackers. And they ran in haste to get away. They tossed the body of the deceased person. They tossed the body into Elisha's tomb. And my question for you was, what happened? If anyone knows the answer to that, give me a call, 210-340-9585. 210-340-9585. So um, then I asked the question from Psalm 77, how does the psalmist overcome his depression? In Psalm chapter 77, uh, he begins his psalm in emotional anguish, and he's in under extreme distress. It may be a guilt. It may have had a great failure or fear of some kind. <coughs> but the psalmist in some way came to doubt God's love for him. And how does the psalmist overcome his depression? In in that same psalm, verses 11 through 20, about six times he talks about how he meditates on God's faithful love in the past. He remembers all the times in the past when God showed him great love and and patience and and, uh, great tenderness with him, 
and that helped him remembering God's faithful love in the past helped him to experience God's love and God's uh, comfort even in the middle of his present distress, his present anguish. So uh, that's a good thing for the scriptures. That And the good thing is you walk with the Lord. The Lord tells us to remember, remember the things that he has done for us and keep them in memory so that we can rehearse those and remember them in our mind. In times when, when times are tough, we can remember how God brought us through uh, other difficult times, and it gives us courage. It gives us comfort. All right, let me jump in here and I catch from the book of Second Kings. Uh, several questions I had. One is, um, let me see, what was it? Um, oh, let me tell you what happened. Well, maybe someone's going to answer that question. Uh, who was the? How old was young King Josiah when he became the king of Judah? Now, Josiah is a very interesting. Uh, person, this radio program in the beginning was called the Josiah Project, and the reason is because young bro Josiah was eight years old, and when he was put on the the throne, his father Amon was killed, assassinated, and and uh, he was put on the throne at age eight, and he at age sixteen he the scriptures were found; they had closed up. The temple. They were not even using the temple anymore, and the king was not. Uh, every seven years, the king was supposed to be reading the 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 books of the, the Deuteronomy, the book of the law, to the people. But they found a copy of the of the book of the law in the in the temple, and they gave it to Josiah. He read it and he began to cry and weep because he saw that they were not keeping God's laws. And then he had the laws read to the people. Out loud to the people, and it sparked a national revival. People coming back to God and, and crying and weeping and uh, over the the loss of their faith. And so Josiah became a great godly king. In that, this is one of the eight great revivals that we find in Scripture, and it was sparked as they read the Bible out loud. And that's why that's why I was moved and stirred to to read the Bible on the program The Bible Live. That's why we feature the reading of the Scriptures. Uh, it's not a program about the Bible, but the actual Bible itself. And so the interesting thing, though, a, Josiah, his great-grandfather was named Hezekiah. Hezekiah was one of the great godly kings of Judah in the south, Hezekiah ruled for many years, and and um, he was the one that that uh, Aram, Damascus, they they attacked King Sennacherib. I'm sorry, the Assyrian Empire conquered, tried to conquer them. King Sennacherib of Assyria, and Hezekiah was under siege. Jerusalem was under siege, and Hezekiah went to prayer, and, and in, God delivered them from the attack of King Sennacherib in Assyria. Now. Later on, um, Hezekiah gets ill. He's very sick. And the prophet comes to see him, and uh, Hezekiah responds in prayer to God. And Isaiah said as a result of his prayer that God would, uh, would get, that he would get well in three days and that God was going to add many years to his life. How many years did God add to Hezekiah's life? You'll find that in, in the book of 2 Kings chapter 20. Hezekiah, the great godly king, 
Uh, this is a good story for the time of the coronavirus. Uh, Hezekiah was ill. Isaiah came to see him and uh, said, God has heard your prayer, Hezekiah, and that he, you will get well in three days, and God is going to add, how many years did God add to his life, uh, Hezekiah's life? Now, later on, what you find out is that Hezekiah used those years and you're going to tell me, hopefully someone can tell me how many years God added to his life. Uh, one of the reasons God added those years was that Hezekiah wrote, I think there are five or six uh, of the Psalms. And they were written during that period of 15 years. When they, oh, Did I give away the answer? I did, didn't I? <laughs> I, just, I just, God gave him 15 more years of life. And uh, he wrote those psalms during that 15 years. And uh, maybe one of the reasons he was given that, that extended time. There's always a purpose that God has for our lives. So uh, what I was going to tell you, though, is that this young king Josiah, his father was uh, Amon, who was a terribly wicked king, Amon's father was Manasseh, and Manasseh was, Manasseh was one of the most wicked kings of all time, into witchcraft and idolatry, worshiping false gods. In fact, Manasseh is the king that was said to have killed the prophet Isaiah. He put him into a log and cut the log in half. You see that spoken about in the book of James. It talks about some of the prophets that suffered, some of them with either even sawn in half. And that was a reference to Isaiah, who was sawn in half, cut in half, by the evil king Manasseh. So you have Manasseh, and then evil king, and you have evil king Amon. And all of a sudden, up comes this young king Josiah, who is, even at the young age of eight, or you know, as a teenager, loved God, loved God's word, and led the people into a great time of revival. Uh, Josiah was Hezekiah's great-grandson. So I tell you, for all you grandfathers and great-grandfathers out there, you, we need to invest time in our grandchildren, love them and teach them as well, so that we can help them come to be godly men and women. Let's go and catch another caller right now. Vicki. Vicki is calling in, and I'm so glad to hear from you, Vicki. Uh, yes, I was going to answer the question about the young man that they threw into the into the grave? I think it's one of the most interesting yeah. stories. Uh, and I was discipling a young man one time. Uh, not discipling, but trying to help him to come to faith. And, and this was one of the main reasons, believe it or not, Vicky. this is one of the main reasons he said he couldn't believe. He thought this was just too hard to believe. Oh, wow. They got attacked by some Moabites, and as they ran away, they tossed the body in their haste. They tossed it into Elisha's tomb. And what happened? I believe he came back to life. That's what I remember. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> that must, I mean, you know, all throughout the Bible, there are these occasions when when death is defeated. You know, the, the prophet Elisha raised a young boy. Remember the, uh, the Shunammite woman that had a, uh, he promised to her, her and her husband that they would have a child. And they did. And the child's name was Habakkuk. And they later on, he visited again, and the child died. 
and Elisha raised him from the dead. Uh, and that is actually, uh, uh, according to our friend Jacob in, in the Jewish tradition, that was the great prophet Habakkuk that Elisha raised from the dead. And oh, wow, I don't know that. That, that is a very interesting uh, factor in, in, in Jewish tradition and understanding. Uh, that was who that was, was Habakkuk. And uh, wow. he... Yeah, reread the book of of Habakkuk now. It it kind of gives another a special uh, meaning to the book because Habakkuk is not Jewish. He's actually a Phoenician. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. But he so here they threw this body into Elisha's tomb, and and it is said that the person the person came back to life. Uh, I guess then he had to run for his life again, right? Because he was. I, I definitely, huh? <laughs> it, it's really yeah. one of the most unusual stories, and there's no explanation given or no great, you know, deal made of it. It's just, it's just a thing that happened, and, and the story goes on. You know, uh, I know his friends will be surprised when they when they saw him next, huh? <laughs> I guess. <so. laughs> It, yeah. probably out, they probably outran them all for some reason. Oh, probably, know. huh? Can I exactly. Ask, can I ask you a question from the book of Acts, Vicky? Would you mind? Oh, we'll see if I know it. I don't know oh, if I, I knew it. I don't want to embarrass you. I, you know I would never want to do that. But I did want to get this question out there. Uh, we did read four chapters of the book of Acts in our Bible reading this last week. And the, the book of Acts was written by Dr. Luke. He is the only non-Jewish author of a New Testament book. Uh, he wrote two books, and both of his books, the Gospel, uh, the uh, book of Acts and the Gospel of Luke, both of his books were addressed to, um, to a certain name, to a certain person. Do you happen to know the name? Is it? I don't think it's Sinopolis, is it? Yes, it is. You're good. Oh. Job. <laughs> It's a, cool. We got to give you a little bit of. Uh, we got to give you a little bit of applause for that. <laughs> that was great. Not many people know that. Theophilus. Well, it just. Yeah, it just goes along means? with that Bible verse. Uh, no. The word. Let me get you to. Uh, do you know what the word Philadelphia means? Uh, brotherly love, or I don't know. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Philos. Philo is a, is a, one of the biblical words for love. You have uh, philos, you have eros, and you have agape, God's love. Philos is the love of friendship. So Theophilus means friend or lover of God. So Luke addressed uh. his book to those who consider them friends or, or friend or lover of God. So that would be to you uh. and me, right? <laughs> yeah, I just thought of it because that Bible, I mean, just memorizing a certain scripture. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, dear, for calling. Okay, thanks. Okay, bye. See you folks next week. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas, 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live Broadcast.
You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. 